Um, yeah, it was, I don't know, honestly a little tough. Like, it was kind of harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I agree. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of 4.30 in the morning. This is your boy, Ben. And Pat is back as well. Episode 90. Nine zero. I can't believe we made it this far. Yeah, this is pretty incredible. 90. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I never thought we were going to make it. <laughs> we're almost to 100, dude. You got anybody for 90? Not really. Uh, Julius Peppers. He was always a solid player. Yeah. Uh, he, he was fun to watch. You got TJ Watt, the... Uh, the most overrated player in the NFL. That is 100% not true. You've got to be he fucking kidding He is a one-dimensional pass rusher. That is bull. He is not, he is not never, one-dimensional. Where he never sees any... He never sees any double teams. He gets double teamed every game. I watch him every snap. He's been in the league for how many years now, and he has not won a playoff game. How do you justify that? Look at his individual stats. I don't care about that. He's he's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal. I care about playoff wins. He ain't the whole team. He hasn't won a playoff game. That's not his fault. He probably won't win a playoff game. It's not his fault. It doesn't help his case. He's a phenomenal outside linebacker. He will go down like Joe Thomas, what could have been. Joe Thomas, the probably the one of, the, if not the number one lineman ever in history. Yeah, I mean, he is uh, not, that, that would be awesome he, for TJ to go down as the best player in his position. You, that, that's Watt, literally what you just TJ said. TJ Watt will not go down as a top thirty defensive end. Yes, he will. No, he will not. He's already almost there. No, he's not. Yes, he is. He has set, he has over seventy sacks in freaking. I, I don't even fucking know the Where statistic, was he? but he's, Where was he? He, he's already close to James Harrison. He's already going to, he's, Nobody he, cares he's like, about James he's Harrison 10 either. sacks away from James Harrison's record. Because he's Pittsburgh. a one-dimensional player on a team that doesn't win games when they match. No, he has like three picks this year. Where is he in the he has, playoffs? He, he is fantastic in coverage. Where has he ever been when it mattered? Not winning games. That's all I have to say. He's he single-handedly won almost every one of our games last year. But he hasn't <laughs> won any games when it matters. <laughs> Didn't help when the whole damn team came. And he has played in playoffs. how many playoff games and has lost how many playoff games? Too many. He hasn't played in many playoff games, honestly. Too many. Sure. Too many. It's, it's hard to accept the fact that he's better than Miles Garrett. He is not better than Miles. It's Garrett. hard to accept. If you the watch fact, game film and you look at the assignments, all you got to do is look at the numbers. When you look at the assignments demanded by each player. Miles Garrett is T- far and away. T- you, you T.J. Go, you TJ ask, Watt is chipped every single play. You he is ask, chipped every yeah, single play. Yeah, Miles Garrett's play. held every single play. So that, is shows you, that shows so you what T.J. Watt does. T.J. is held. T.J. Watt is hugged every single game. The poor man's wannabe. He's like an XFL version of the you know fucking what? I'm Miles gonna, I'm going to create a compilation of, of clips of him being tackled to the ground every I'm going to create a play. compilation of clips where Miles Garrett <laughs> Takes on a triple team and still gets a sack because TJ wow. Watt can't Fantastic. do that. TJ Watt, he's can't done it. Do he's done shit. it multiple times. He did it almost. TJ Watt has never won a playoff game. He did it twenty-one and a half times last he year. He has never won a playoff game. Did it twenty-one and a half times. He will never play for year. a relevant team ever. <laughs> <laughs> he is. This is Aug making the episode. JV. He's a JV version <laughs> of Miles Garrett. Sure. The JV version. He doesn't do anything. He sure. rushes off the right side. 
How many great pass rushers outside of Von Miller rush off the right side? He rushed None off. Of he, he's the Miles left outside Garrett, linebacker. Miles Garrett goes against the best pass blocker on the team every single game, and he always faces at least a double team and possibly a triple team. TJ Watt faces watch, a double team you can all see the film, time. You can see film on Miles Garrett. I watch film all the time. Knifing through back when Orlando sure, Brown was good. with the Ravens, back when he was with the Ravens. Miles Garrett's good. He knifed through Orlando Brown, Patrick Ricard, and Nick Boyle. That's 900 wow. pounds of blocking. Wow. That Miles Garrett just walked right by because Fantastic. he's that fucking good. Fantastic. And sacked Lamar Jackson. Wow. TJ awesome. Watt will always be the poor man's Miles Garrett. Sure. At best. Well, when Miles Garrett reaches the numbers and statistics of TJ Watt, we can start discussing that. We will start discussing it when TJ Watt wins a playoff game. And I hate to say it, I don't think it's happening this year. Probably not this year, no. But he's not the whole team. Well, he should be. He's a waste of time. I mean, you cannot. He is it's, one, it's very hard to judge players off playoffs. He is one-dimensional. He does not have the assignments demanded of anybody. Yes, he does. And he's, Jadavion and he, Clowney and, does and, better and at and his he job. Does, and, he t- Clowney, and he goes off in coverage. And he, and he can drop off in coverage better. and get picks. He's also wears number 90, by the way. Jadavion Clowney does. He is better at his job it's okay, man. than T.J. Watt. It's not true. It's not true. It is true. It is not true. It's, it's true. It's okay, dude. Okay. TJ Watt doesn't do anything. I'm it's not okay. worried about him. Like I don't when I look at people he, that I'm worried about. He dictates the game all the time. Yeah, how many times has he dictated the game against the Browns? He hasn't won a game. Dude, he literally had like eight sacks total against you guys last year. But how many playoff wins has he had? It ain't Zero. about playoff games. Yes, it is. No, that it's is not. All the NFL matters. How many playoff games has Miles Garrett won? One. One. Wow. How many has TJ wow. Watt won? It doesn't matter. Zero. It doesn't matter. He is a loser when it matters. It's okay. He is a loser when it matters. And Miles Garrett has beaten how many, more quarterbacks. How many, over how many the head. wins? How many wins do the Browns have this year? Three. As many as the Steelers do. Three. Three. Wow. It's working. Miles Garrett's doing great. Miles Garrett was in a car crash. So if he was that good, he would have muscled right through that car crash, just like he went through Bulls and the other two motherfuckers you said earlier. <laughs> 900 Miles pounds Garrett of force. will go down as a better player than T.J. Watt. Bank it. It's possible, but it ain't looking like that right now. No, it's not because T.J. Watt can't win a fucking playoff game. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. So T.J. Watt is looking better because he doesn't win a playoff no, game. No, no. That's what you just said. You're, you're reading too much into this. <laughs> he is a one-dimensional player. He does not handle double teams. He doesn't do a whole lot. He handles them all the time. Every Show single me the game. film. Where's the film at? We can, we how can many bring teams, it up. How many teams are realistically stacking up tight ends outside of their right tackle? Every game. Because, and oh, you, I'm you so can't, worried and about you can't this do one it. guy. And you can't do it every single play because you got to worry about Hayward. And you got to worry about Highsmith on the other side, who has nine sacks this season. Miles Garrett's doing it all by himself, and he's hanging in there. He has had no help on the inside. That's not. Name that, one Browns that, defensive that, 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 that's not, defensive That's line. not anyone's problem. Name one. What does that have to do with T.J. Watt? It means that Miles Garrett's better. No, it does, it does not mean that Miles Garrett is better. Miles Garrett's better, and he's better at bashing <laughs> quarterbacks over the head with his helmet. Yeah, How, what 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 did that do? Landed him a four game suspension. Five. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck editing this one. <laughs> T.J. Watt is not that good. It's okay. I'm not worried about him. I don't think he's that good. Like he's just a guy. It's okay. J A G. He's a jag, okay. just a guy that sure. we don't need to worry about. Sure. How do the Browns? How do the Steelers do this year against the Browns? The Browns are the shittiest team I've ever seen in my life, and the Steelers couldn't beat them. Steelers are having a rough year. 
Yeah. You can't you can't be great every single year. Yeah. Well, you could also do things that help you, like not drafting a quarterback with small hands. He'll be all right. All right. Anyways, what kind of news you got? It's a good segue. This is from our favorite UPI news. Oh. World's largest published book unveiled in Texas. World's largest public book. Published book. A Texas nonprofit and a museum teamed up to break the Guinness World Record for largest published book with a tome measuring seven feet tall and 11 feet wide. How is that practical? That doesn't make any I, sense. How the fuck are you going to read that? Literacy nonprofit I write in the Bryan Museum in Galveston teamed up to create a massive version of the book I Am Texas, which contains writing and artwork from 1,000 Texas students from 3rd to 12th grades. The book, which has smaller versions available for purchase, measures 7 feet tall, 11 feet wide, and weighs 496 pounds. The giant book, which has been certified as the world's largest by Guinness World Records, is now embarking on a tour of Texas and will be featured in the November 24th HEB Thanksgiving Day Parade in Houston. Pack it up, kids. We're going to go see the world's largest <laughs> book. See, I didn't. I didn't read the article. I was hoping that it would be like a like a like a cool book, like not to take anything away from the children, but no, we gotta take shit away from them. Yeah, we, yeah, like, but that's kind of cool. Yeah. World's largest book. <laughs> I don't know. I I'm was, not gonna lie. Ben Hooper has been kind of letting us down lately. He has on some of these, yeah. But nah, that's pretty good. World's largest book. Now are you gonna go take uh, take the little man to see the world's largest book? I might. Maybe would he we'll, get Would he get excited for that? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. See, I don't know about He'll, that. One. He'd probably just try climbing on it. Probably. Is he a climber? Yeah, he likes climbing shit. Okay. Well, that's pretty good. I mean, that's something. Yeah, it's good for you. Now, my first one. This one is ridiculous and i have to preface i brought three news stories to the studio i'm probably gonna bring i'm probably gonna present two of these but these are all a little bit involved so just a heads up sure my first one is going to come from the times of israel.com and this is going to reference a netflix like one of their mini series that they did recently this one reads israeli woman says tinder swindler fooled her even after she watched the documentary now, there's a documentary out on Netflix called The Tinder Swindler, which I did watch a while back. Mm-hmm. It would have fit really well into our con artist episode. I think this came out after the con artist episode. It's a relatively recent documentary. It's about this guy named Shimon Hayut, that's spelled S-H-I-M-O-N-H-A-Y-U-T, who basically would create this persona of himself on Tinder and would start dating these girls, and it would end up, like, stealing money from them, basically. Mm. But it, it's a really weird story, because this guy has, like, the kind of look where he could look like a total bum in the wrong context with the wrong haircut. But if he really, like, class himself up, he could look like this guy that would be worth billions of dollars, basically. Sure. So the story reads, A young Israeli woman came forward in a television interview on Friday as the latest victim of Israeli fraudster Shimon Hayut, known as a Tinder swindler. Despite a popular Netflix true crime documentary this year by the same name that documented his alleged systematic defrauding of romantic partners, Iren Tranov, 25, from the southern city of Okafim, told Channel 13 News that she had, she had watched the documentary, but when Hayut reached out to her, he convinced her that his the claims against him were lies. So, this woman... Watch the documentary about the Tinder Swindler. Like, hey, this looks like good. This looks like a good show. I'm going to watch this. Sees how ridiculous this guy is. And this guy is a cold-blooded con artist. Like, yeah. he doesn't give a shit. He was stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars. He was getting people to take out loans and just wiring the money to him straight away. And when you watch these interviews with these people that were conned by him, 
they were like in love with him. Like they thought he was a legitimate guy. He did a really good job of presenting himself. It's like the too good to be true guy that actually is there because he would meet them. It's not like this was all online. He would show up and go on dates with these girls and he would date them and all this shit. But this woman watches this documentary, sees this guy, like knows who he is, knows what the whole story is, then meets him <laughs> and then gets conned by him. Like, how is this possible? Think about it. Why did 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 she think he just wouldn't do it to her? Yeah, he went over with me every woman who had complained about him, and each one he told me how it was lies, and he was right. She told the network he doesn't look like a criminal hunting for a mark. That's a direct quote. <laughs> Trainoff says she told Hayut that she wanted to price her car. He said, I'll help you. We'll order it and I'll get you a car at a better price because I'm your boyfriend, she told the network. According to Channel 13, Hayut told Tranoff that he was a partner in a vehicle import company and would obtain a brand new BMW luxury car for her at a lower price than what could be found on the market. However, Hayut demanded that Tranoff transfer the money to him and instructed her on how to take out a loan after loan from various companies similar to the tactics detailed in the documentary. Tranoff says she transferred a sum of nearly NIS 450, which I don't know what the hell that means. It's the equivalent of $130,000. Jesus. To Hyote over several days, and he handed her a different vehicle in the interim, said he would work to obtain the one she wanted. Now, the story goes on for a while. I wonder what the, the vehicle was. <laughs> I don't know, but I guess this went on for six months, and she was, like, cashing checks for him and all this shit. I, I'm not going to get into all of it, but I guess he, he went to jail for, like, he was supposed to go to jail for 15 months back for the trial, the charges that were depicted in the documentary. He got out after five months for good behavior, and he just went like right back at it. Could you imagine the balls on this guy? You have a documentary out there that everybody in the world can see, <laughs> and he's he's when you see him, he's it becomes a very recognizable face. Like you would pick yeah. him out anywhere once you see him. Yeah, he's like I'm gonna fucking go out there and keep the game going. So I don't know what to say with that one. Have I you mean, seen the documentary? That, that, no, I'm sure Paige has though. It's like a three episode. It's a pretty short one, but I, I just don't understand like why we let those kind of criminals out so early. Well, nonviolent number one. That really is where it starts and ends. Yeah, but it's it's incredible. I, I don't know if you can classify that as like a white collar crime, but like probably like white collar crime most of the time is nonviolent. Sure, but cause so much damage financially for so many people and, mean, they, and they just do not treat those people the same there's got to be a half dozen women at least that have lent this guy at least six figures like that is think about that that is a horrible thing that's that's five years man like yeah. are you kidding me like 15 months is not enough just 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 like, for the sheer you would have to hope yeah like it ruined it has to ruin your financial credibility but yeah. this guy's a master of disguise like he's able to pull off all sorts of <laughs> shit like he's able to fake his identity because the way that he was able to get all this shit going was he claimed he was the son of some like diamond merchant or something who's really rich right so this guy's got a defamation lawsuit going against him because it's like um this guy isn't related to me and he's fucked up my company because now everybody thinks of my company as the company of the fucking Tinder swindler. Right. Like, I don't know. You just always see that with those type of crimes. They, yeah. they just never get a long sentence, and then they're out for good behavior, and then they go right back to doing it. Exactly. <laughs> but, and the other thing, too, with this guy is he's a narcissist. Yeah. Like, you look at these photos, like, this guy thinks he is the shit. Like, he thinks he's <laughs> the greatest thing of all time. Unreal. But then again, too, you look at him, like, all, like, dialed up for Tinder compared to like what he could look like when he's like kind of on the street as a hobo it's night and day like you wouldn't connect the two he cleans up very well i guess for sure but i'll have to watch that documentary 
He's very good at getting. He he's got a certain type. He's a very good at targeting a certain type of woman that just buys into nonsense, basically. And so it's like, no, it's going to be different this time. And obviously, <laughs> this is what happens here. Like, we don't like to blame the victim, right? Definitely. But not. she watched the fucking but documentary. She, yeah, she. That I'm sorry. I don't. So, I don't have much sympathy for her. Anyways, that's all I got with that one. I, I could go on. For, that's crazy. For hours. With that was that, guy. that was a good one. Uh, the Tinder swindler back at it. This is probably not the last time he's going to do this. Definitely not. Anyways, what else you got today, sir? This is my last one. I got another one from UPI Odd News. This one's kind of crazy. Chinese man builds 50-story house of cards to break world record. 50-story? I don't think it's actually 50 stories. Like, like, like 500 feet? No, I don't think so. <laughs> A Chinese man put his precision to the test. Josh would like this. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was <laughs> Chinese man put his precision to the test by building a 50-story house of cards in a single day to break a Guinness World Record. Tian Ruai of Qingdao, Shandong Province, took on the record for tallest house of cards built in 12 hours and completed his 50-level structure in only 5 hours and 4 minutes. The finished house of cards measured 11 feet, 0.7 inches tall. Guinness World Records required the house to remain standing for at least 10 minutes to qualify for the record. Now, how do they come up with that time frame? Ten minutes? I feel like a minute would be sufficient. Yeah, I agree. Could you imagine the tenseness of those <laughs> ten minutes? Like, have you ever tried building a house of cards? Yes. It is absolute. It is so hard. It's painful. to do that, and like I can't. I can get like the like the like the bottom layer pretty good, but I can't yeah. build. I can't put a card on another card and get it to stand up. Yeah, definitely not. It 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 takes work, man, and just even just the way buildings are designed they shift and move and everything and that thing is so delicate it's got to stand there for 10 minutes like someone just walking by 10 feet away could possibly yes. cause this thing to fall exactly like uh no way dude uh that's crazy that's insane that reminds me there's an old youtube video of a guy that had like a it's like a jenga tower or something it's a big tower of blocks like the like a eight feet tall tower that he built with just these little blocks or whatever and it was so big that the news came to interview him. And that was back when microphones had the cord always yeah. attached. And the the reporter was uh, some old guy, some old geezer. <laughs> he was dragging the cord around. He took, <laughs> he took the tower out in the middle Jesus of the interview. Christ. He was like, oh, geez, I'm sorry, man. And the, the, the dude that built it was just like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> That's funny. Anyways, that's a pretty good one. Was that out of China? UPI ad news? Yeah, out of China. Awesome. Shandong Province. The Shandong Province. Now, did they determine, did they say in that, I wasn't listening, did they say how high it was? I know it was 50 stories. But did it... A little over 11 feet. Still. That's absurd. Yeah, that's insane. That's absurdity. I don't know why they would say 50 stories. Because I guess a card is a story. I, I guess that makes sense, but I would, I don't know, I would... I don't know. Anyways, I got one more I'm going to do. I brought two, but I'm only going to do this one. Sure. This one comes from BroBible.com, which I'm pretty sure we've used that website before. Sounds familiar. Harvard astrophysicist thinks meteor that crashed near Australia may have been a UFO. Harvard astrophysicist A.V. Loeb is planning a $2.2 million expedition to determine if a meteor that crashed near Australia is really a UFO. The supposed meteor crashed into the southwestern Pacific Ocean in 2014, about 100 miles off the coast of Papua New Guinea near Australia. The material of it is tougher than iron based on the data. So the question is whether it's just an unusual rock or perhaps a spacecraft from another civilization. Loeb, chairman of the Harvard's Department of Astrophysics, 
astronomy from 2011 to 2020 told Sunrise. I was able to receive full funding for this expedition to Papua New Guinea, and we will scoop up the ocean floor and figure out the composition of this object. The meteor in the Pacific Ocean is just a third known interstellar object of its kind on Earth and predates any previously known material from solar systems other than ours. One of the others, Lobes the Leaves, is extraterrestrial alien technology that visited Earth in 2017. This guy's a Harvard astrophysicist. Pretty established that thinks this shit is aliens. That's compelling. Back in 2018, Loeb and Stephen Hawking were seriously investigating at the possibility whether that object could, in fact, be an alien spaceship. So this crashed into the ocean, correct? Correct. So they have not gone down there to check this thing out? Not once since? I Apparently not. So now, how, how could they know anything about this thing then? Like, what are, they basing, what are they basing any of this off of? It's because of the establishment. The establishment wants us not to investigate the mysterious. Sure. I'm just saying. Sure, I agree. This guy, somehow is an astrophysicist at Harvard, which is impressive. That's pretty yep. good. But he's pretty confident that it's something else. Now, I'm not going to get into the entire news story, but I guess we're going to have to wait to see what he's going to discover. Right. But when you read some of his quotes, he's pretty... He's pretty confident. Like, he talks about all these alien civilizations that existed in the past and how there has been hundreds of thousands of visits from extraterrestrials to the U.S. or to the world, basically. His name is Loeb? L-O-E-B. Avi Loeb. Okay. Avi. Probably Avi. Avi Loeb. That's pretty good. Anyways, are we about ready? Yeah. We ready for the main topic? Yes. Let's do it. We have ran way over on all the nonsense today. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to run through this quick. Oh, yeah. So today, episode 90, we're going to be going over some crazy historical jobs. Yes. It's kind of like our Odd Occupations episode. I can't remember what the hell episode that was. That was a good episode. That was a pretty fun episode. And this one's going to be more of the historical aspect of that. Sure. Now, I cannot honestly remember. Did we talk about historical jobs at all during that one? I don't think we did. I feel like most of them were kind of modern day. Yeah. So we're going to be going back in time a little bit. You know, me and Ben both were very big history buffs, if you will. Definitely. So we're going to be talking about some of the strangest occupations that history has to offer. Definitely. Now, I did find a YouTube channel. It was kind of weird. Were they was, British guys? It was British women. It was a mother-daughter team, and the, the daughter was, like, in her mid-20s, and the mom was, like, <laughs> in her 50s, and they were doing a channel. It was, like, strange occupations from the days past or something, mm-hmm. and it was, was, like, they were just, like, talking in British about these weird jobs, <laughs> and it was really weird. Like, they were, they were making these dumb jokes, but they weren't really that funny. <laughs> Dude, I found this British guy and his family Uh-oh. Uh, making these uh, medieval uh, weird jobs, like history, freaking like document. There were long videos. They were like 48 minutes a piece. Really? They were like documentary style. They were really well done. I don't know if I could sit through I was like, that. Yeah, it was I a was lot. I was going for but... more, more of the Spark Notes version on this episode. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's funny. Anyways, you want to get started with this one today, sir? Sure. So my first one, you ever heard of... Now, this was actually a desired post. This was a desired job, okay? Called Groom of the Stool. Yes. <laughs> I decided not to do this one because I knew okay. that you were going to bring this one. And I, uh, uh. I wanted to do this one. So this role was created during uh, King Henry VIII reign, which his reign started around 1509. Sure. So the Groom of the Stool was a male servant assigned to assisting the king with his toileting needs. Now, this wasn't... Now, luckily, the groom of the stool did not actually have to wipe his ass. Oh, okay. okay? I didn't know that. That was something that they did not have to do. 
But so who did then? He probably wiped his own ass. Or you think so? Or, or, you think King Henry was wiping his own ass? Probably not. He probably couldn't reach that far. But the groom of the stool did not have to do that. Okay, good. The groom of the stool would constantly carry around a portable uh, commode or commode. Commode. And they would carry that around with towels, washing bowl, water. Now these groom these grooms were highly committed to their job. They would monitor and track the king's bowel movements, and they tracked what he ate and at certain meal times, so they can better prepare when to bring the kamaut around. And he would also they would also help the king undress while so they can prepare themselves uh, for the toilet. But that was basically their job. They just followed the king around with his toilet, and they would prepare based off of his bowel movements and what he and they tracked his meals, and everything like that. So, but they were highly paid for this position, and this was a highly sought after position. Yeah, like wasn't this going to like like the sons of nobles and shit like that? Yes. Yep. See, that's pretty impressive. Yep. Now there was. At least in my research on that one, no, I didn't do this one. But there was, like, some more going on with it. Like, they could be, like... Like, you ever think about it, like, you're sitting on the stool, but you kind of want to have a conversation at the same time? Yes. That's kind of what they were... <laughs> basically, that's basically... That's, that's probably yes. the biggest... Yes, definitely. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not a fan of doing anything when I'm taking a shit. Like, sure. I will be on my phone, but I won't be talking. Like, I'm sure shit won't, won't be on right. the phone or te- yeah. even texting. I find texting on the, on the shitter weird. Yeah, I don't think... I've, I will, I've definitely texted on the shitter. I will read. Like, I'm not going to say I haven't done it, but I will read sure. a little bit. But could you imagine that just being your job? That would suck. You probably get, <laughs> you probably get some good inside information, though. Sure. Yeah, you probably learn a lot about what's going on. Yeah. Anyways. What do you got? My first one. This one's a pretty good one. Have you ever heard of a knocker upper? Yes. Is that one that you got as well? I, don't, I didn't do this one, but I, I definitely read about this it. This is a good one. Smart. Yes, it definitely is. Now, you would hear the term knocker upper, and you would think that this was something scandalous, <laughs> if you will. Right. It's not really that scandalous. This is basically a human alarm clock. Because alarm clocks have not been a thing for that long, really, when you look at it. I think the 1940s is when the alarm clock became a thing. Mm-hmm. Before then, you had wake-up calls, maybe. Which, I guess, was that, that was still a thing until the 1990s. Like, wake-up calls, where you call yeah. somebody up, and they're like, hey, call me at the time to wake me up. Yep. But before then, you had the knocker-upper. The knocker-upper would go around, like, the neighborhood or whatever, and would knock on your window... To wake yep. you up, basically. That's all the job was. I guess they would use, like, canes sometimes to tap the windows, or they would throw, like, peas. Something. At the windows. Whatever it took to get you up on time. <laughs> I thought that'd be a pretty good job, but who wakes you up? Well, from what I read, that they were night owls. So they would sleep during the day, and then they would be up at, they would get up really early and be up all uh, night. I gotcha. That's what they would do. See, that would be a good job for me. But it's like, I feel like you would have to have a lot of them because what if some people worked at the same time? Like, you're not <laughs> yeah. going to, like, if you might have 100 people that need to be up at 6 in the morning. You can't get to everyone at once. I was thinking about that. Like, how is that possible? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm assuming, and I don't know this for sure, I'm assuming that the term knocked up that it is colloquially used as today sure. probably some way translates into this. Like, maybe <laughs> yeah. there was a knocker upper out there that happened to be a little bit uh, philanderous, if you will. Yeah. And maybe maybe that's where that term came from. It's possible. There's a possibility. That'd be my guess. Anyways, what else you got? Have you ever heard of a phrenologist? A what? A phrenologist? Yes. So this was eventually exposed as pseudoscience, but phrenology got big in the 19th century. So basically what a phrenologist was, 
is that they would read your intelligence and determine your traits by the shape of your head. Okay, I did hear about this one. This is a good one. Let me <laughs> brought this because I, I forgot about this one. So phrenology was based on a notion that by feeling bumps on your head could basically diagnose you with psychological issues and shit like that. This basically paved the way for modern day psychology. Oh my god! But yeah, it was complete and utter bullshit. And but a phrenologist was a legit like thing. Sure. Like, oh, I got a I got a phrenologist appointment today. I got they're gonna go see what the fuck's wrong with me. And they would just he would just feel your skull, he or she, feel bumps and literally diagnose everything that's wrong with you psychologically. Now here here's the thing though. I have noticed and this might be a a, a personal trend that I've noticed. People with bigger heads tend to be smarter. Sure. Like you look at Kobe's head. Like we, we saw Kobe play. Yep. His head not stand out as like fucking huge. He does have a big head. He had a huge head. Now I think Kobe was highly intelligent. Yeah, he was. I think that there's something going on with that. Like I'm not gonna lie, when we first saw Kobe like live, I was like, Holy shit, his head is huge. Like you don't <laughs> see it on the T V as well. Right. So I think there's something to that. Well he could speak multiple languages. He too. could speak like six languages. That's incredible. He well, spoke French, Italian, German, English. Well, didn't he grow up in Spanish. Italy for yes, a little while? He did. he did. Yeah. So I don't know. I think there might be something to that. Yeah, definitely. And like I feel like a lot of smart people that I've met have just like these like fucking huge ass craniums. It's like huge. I guess I mean if you have a well, does having a bigger brain constitute know. more intelligence? Well, I, you need to invest in the science. What's I get uh, phrenology. We gotta call a phrenologist and let us know. <laughs> I don't think they exist anymore. See, that's unfortunate. We need that science back. I agree. Anyways, uh, I got one real quick. Sure. This is one I actually learned about in high school. Have you ever heard of the barber surgeon? I think I saw it, but I didn't read into it. Let's no. hear. <laughs> Basically, back in the olden days, and we're talking circa 1080, but I'm focused more on like the colonies, like the American colonies. And I guess this was a thing up until the 19th century. The barber was essentially the functional doctor in the community as well. <laughs> So, obviously, we all know barbers as the people that cut your hair and trim your beard and whatnot. Now, think about that for a second. Who was the first person to come up with the idea that you can take a razor and just glide it across the skin really well? You can cut off all the hair without cutting the skin. Like, could you imagine doing that like, for the first time? Like, I think I can cut off all your hair with just a razor. See, I feel like back then, information was not spread like it is now. Sure. So, I feel like a lot of people figured that out. And then one guy that was popular figured it out and made it big. That's how I feel a lot of shit happened so? back then. Yeah, you know, you're probably right about that, honestly. That's not a bad observation. Like, if you think about it. But still. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to lie. Have you ever used a safety razor where it's just like the one blade, but it's got the thing on it? Yeah. It's usually like fancier. Like, I can't handle those. See, that's what I have. So it's it just, like... just one blade? Yeah. All right, because I tried one of those on my head once, and I sliced my head open immediately. Yeah, I put it, it down and never use it again. It's not for that. <laughs> yeah. It's to line your, your shit up, basically. And, see, I'm, and I'm terrible at doing it because I can't see very well in my shower. I got a sure. mirror in my shower. See, I don't shave in the, I shave, I don't shave in the shower. I used to do my head in the shower. I don't do that shit anymore. 
See, I get out of the shower and do it now because I can see so much better outside of the shower. Sure. Anyways. <laughs> so the barber surgeon was doing that type of shit, but was also doing like general surgery. Like you would go to the barber if you had a toothache. Maybe you need a tooth pulled. You'd call the barber. Maybe you need a little <laughs> bit of surgery done. Maybe a tumor lacerated or something. Go to the fucking barber. You go to the barber. They had all the good clippers. Now I got some info from the barber surgeonguild.com and I guess it's a real thing it's like a real membership thing and even when I was on the website one of those chat bubbles popped up where there was a member from the website <laughs> trying to trying to entice me into more information that's funny and I guess this was a thing for a very long time but back then the early versions of the Hippocratic Oath basically told physicians not to practice surgery because surgery was treated as lowbrow so doctors actual doctors back then wouldn't do surgery they leave it to the barber unbelievable so the the barber surgeon is basically a barber slash dentist slash doctor slash surgeon slash mysticism person because they would do bloodletting like they'd leech you yeah they do all that shit i mean if you think about it like even even in the 20th century just back then like in my my grandpa's generation. Sure. One guy did everything. Yeah. You saw the doctor. He 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 treated you for everything. But they also came to your house. Yeah, they came to your fucking house. So I don't know. I say that's a crazy job. That is. That's that's insane. <laughs> there was an, in 1540. There was the United Company of Barber Surgeons, which was an official guild for the barber surgeon. So this wasn't like just like random ass thing. This was like an actual. <laughs> Like, if you were going to cut hair, you were also going to be cutting open people's organs. You're going to be bloodletting them. You're going to be taking out teeth. Unreal. It was a all-in-one stop. No shit. So, anyways, that's all I got with that one. That's, honestly, that's probably part of the reason why I came up with this episode. I thought that was a funny, that's, the funny I mean, concept. I, I mean, it's pretty funny. Anyways, what else you got today, sir? So, my next one is absolutely ridiculous. I don't even know if this is real, but but it's from HistoryUK.com. So. Sounds pretty official. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a funeral clown? Yes. This no, is, I want this at my funeral. This is the most ridiculous shit I've ever read. So this was considered a serious profession <laughs> in the 4th century. Okay, funeral clowns were hired to basically distract proceedings and give some type of amusement to, you know, the family or whatever. But not only were they hired to cheer up the living, they were also hired to appease the dead. So the clown would, was literally there to mock the recently deceased person. And they would also, like, wear a mask that looked like the dead guy. <laughs> Who the hell I mean, thought this, this was a un- good idea? This is a- unbelievable. And so they basically would have a clown, and it would dress up like the person that was just dead, and it would mock the person and do all that shit. Like, in what way would that be amusing? Like, I know I know they thought differently back then, but in no way, shape, or form is this a good idea. Like, I can't think of one one idea. To, to, I can't think of anything that would make this be a good idea. I don't know. I would like that. Hired. And my, and my, hired. Who's paying this guy? I don't know. The family? I would leave an endowment fund for this. <laughs> That, that, that's oh, crazy. that is pretty funny though and i had that one prepared as well and i guess they're bringing this shit back like you could like you could you can hire one i'm gonna hire one Fuck yeah it. you're I, gonna I, see him over there that's he's fantastic like, hi my name's pat uh, <laughs> anyways do you got anything more with the funeral clown nope that's it i've got a good one this is a short one though have you ever heard of the aircraft 
listener. No. <laughs> so before radar, now radar was an intervention in early days of World War II. The British came up with the idea basically to use whatever waves to track Luftwaffe planes. Before that, they were still tracking aircraft. But instead of a radar, there was... <laughs> There was an aircraft listener. It was this guy that was trapped with these ridiculous, like, monophone, like, they were, like, the size of a room, these, like, earphone things, and they'd hook them up to their ear, and they kind of, like, like, funnel out, and supposedly they could hear an aircraft flying <laughs> really long, really far away. That's kind of cool, though. And uh, they would, that, that was their job. Are those things still around? Well, they got radar now, so they're not needed anymore. I, meaning, like, are they, like, still, like, can you still, like, like, are they, they're one at, like, a fucking museum somewhere that I can test this thing out? Possibly. But it's all about acoustics and all that shit. But it's just, yeah. like, it looks absurd. Like, I'm going to have to post some pictures up on our Facebook. That's hilarious. I think I've seen pictures of those, honestly. But it's, like, really? That's but hilarious. It, I, I guess it was a job. I don't know how effective it was. But they were doing this into the early days of World War Two. Just to give you a 10-hour shift of that. Could you imagine if you're, like, really proud of your profession and you're like, I'm the best aircraft listener out there, and then radar comes along and it's just like... Son of a bitch. I'm back to cleaning bathrooms or whatever. Literally. And we just all got with that one. I used uh, used to be an an aircraft listener. I used to... (laughs) I don't know. Anyways, what else you got? So, this... Would be an extremely hard hard job. You ever heard of an arming squire? No, I haven't. So basically, their job involved maintaining, fixing, and applying a knight's armor. Okay. Now this could be at any point, while even in battle. So if something happens <laughs> to the armor while they're in battle, they gotta go out there and fucking fix it. They gotta replace it or whatever's going on. They gotta go out there and do it. And they don't wear armor themselves, so they gotta do all this shit during battle. Which is ridiculous. So, not only do they have to do that, after battle, they have to remove the blood, the sweat, the mud, and anything from the fight. So, they gotta clean the shit, they gotta fix it, they gotta do all that. And back then, they you know they didn't really have very good cleaning solutions, so they would use, like, aged piss and, uh, like, vinegar and it's shit so, like it's that. It's disgusting. Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. But that would be a really hard job. Man, that would be the worst job ever. That YouTube channel I was telling you about, like, they literally showed you how you, like, took apart armor from a knight. There's a lot of pieces. Like, I I couldn't imagine fixing that in the middle of battle, taking all that shit apart. There's, like, 30-some pieces to to an armor for a knight. It's ridiculous. Yeah, we saw that exhibit at the art museum, the armor exhibit, like, the age of whatever. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Like, there's a lot of intricacy to that type of shit. Hell yeah. And you could, like, you could, like, kind of, like, touch the shit. Oh, nice. But I didn't do it because I didn't trust myself. Oh. There's like like an actual like samurai armor. That's sweet. Hell That's yeah. Cool. Anyways, what else you got? I got a few more real quick ones. The faker. Have you ever heard of faker? I saw it on a list. Love. Basically, all you did was you colored in an old fashioned photograph. Like you colored it in by hand. <laughs> that was a faker. That's all the job was. Sweet. The knock nobbler. Basically, the knock nobbler's job was let's say like church is going on and you're in an old fashioned town. And let's say a wild dog wandered in the church. The knock noveler's job was to chase a wild dog out of church because you don't want to get the people distracted. Right. Because people are probably going to pay attention to a wild dog more so than Jesus or whatever's going on. So the knock noveler's job was kind of eliminate that. Sure. But let's say a like a kid started acting up. Usually the knock noveler would go after the kid and get the kid out of there too. <laughs> so 
That's funny. It was rough times back then. You got any more? I got a couple small ones. Uh, you ever heard of a whiffler? Actually, yeah, I think I did. This is a good one. Yeah, basically, they're just the person that would lead a procession or like an usher. Just the head of a parade. I don't know. That'd be a good job for Tim, I think. Yeah. It sounds like an insult nowadays, though. Whiffler. Like, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't want to be called one. Can you spell that for us, please? W-H-I-F-F-L-E-R. I wouldn't want to be called one. I would never want to be called a whiffler. Anyways, what else you got? You ever heard of a sin eater? What? <laughs> a sin eater. No, this is not one that popped up <laughs> in my research. <laughs> Yeah, so basically this was um this was big in like Wales in the 18th 19th century. So these workers took on the misdeeds of the deceased by eating bread that had been placed on the dead person's chest. Professional sin eaters were, like I said, it's common in Wales. Probably hungry people that really wanted to have an excuse to eat more. Probably, but the, I guess you can call it some type of ritual. You hope that the bread would soak up their wrongdoings and the sin, the sin eater would just eat it. What I want to know is how long does the bread have to sit on the chest of the deceased, deceased person? Probably at least a fortnight. Like, would the sin eater, like, bring some, like, meat and another slice of bread and make a sandwich out of it, or they would just eat the bread? I don't know. Who the hell comes up and with this I, shit? And I would be specific on what type of bread was there, you know? Like, people talk about how hard it used to be back then. <laughs> Obviously not. They're able to sit down and come up with these ideas. <laughs> and be like, yes, this is going to be an actual occupation. And get paid for it. Exactly. So I don't know what to do with that one. You got any more? I've got two more. How many more do you got? That's all of mine. So this one, this job, my Jaja actually had. No shit. And he would talk about it. And it's like, he was like trying to train me for this type of shit at one point. Have you ever heard of a pin setter? Yes. The person, usually a young kid, that was stuck at the back of a bowling alley to set up the bowling pins <laughs> after, the, after the person was shot. Yeah, my grandpa did some pin setting. Yeah, he would like teach me how to do it. And like he bought this like plastic bowling set and we had to like bowl in the living room and all this <laughs> shit. And this was an actual thing. It was a thing until like the 1970s or something when automated bowling pin setters became a real thing. Right. But I guess it was a pretty fun job, all things considered. You didn't get paid a whole lot, but you got the bowl for free. So I would do that. Yeah, so that's a pin setter. Some people are surprised that that was a thing, but I can see it. I mean, it makes sense. Like, I feel like every time I've gone bowling, I've broken the bowling alley. <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> I don't know how to bowl. Like, I'm not going to lie. I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. Sure. I don't have any curve on my shot. I just chuck it as hard as I can. That's what I do. And it, sometimes shit happens. I've ended up in the wrong lane more than I want to admit. Gutter balls happen. But I don't know. I feel like a pin setter. That would kind of be like a, like kind of a fun job probably at first. And then it's just like, this is kind of bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It could be slightly dangerous. Yeah, definitely. Although I also hurt myself bowling. So. Sure. Like every time I go bowling, I don't go bowling a whole lot. I've gone probably, I went once with you like six or seven years ago. I'm like, I, yeah, I think I remember that. We get drunk. We were drinking. I don't know if we got drunk. Yeah. And then I went once like a year ago. We should do that again. We should go bowling again. We probably should. We gotta get Josh in. See, the problem is, is I I usually pick a ball, bowling ball, where the holes are too small for my fingers. Well, you gotta and, pick. You gotta. And you gotta, you gotta get stuck. You gotta kind of feel them out. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, I got one more. Let's hear it. The sluggard waker. Hmm. I guess it was an 18th century Britain tradition. The church was struggling to basically keep people like engaged. Like people would go to church, but they wouldn't be like engaged with it. Sure. 
So you'd have these church ceremonies going on and people would fall asleep. The sluggard waker was basically there to identify the sluggards or people that were asleep during church and wake them up. It's kind of like, like, you know, like the colonies and like early America, we had the tithing man who church back then was like a six hour event. It was like most of your fucking Sunday. Sure. You were at church and people would fall asleep. But the tithing man had a tithing rod and he would whack you with a tithing rod if you fell asleep during church. Hmm. So the sluggard waker is kind of like that, but maybe a little bit more gentle. I don't know if that makes sense. Makes sense. Wasn't the mass, at least Catholic mass, wasn't it basically the same all the way up until Pope John Paul the first? First John the twenty John the twenty third. Okay, that that was changed in the Ecumenical Council in nineteen. Pope John the twenty third called Vatican II, which would have been in like nineteen sixty nine or nineteen seventy. Yeah, and he what he did was he took the Latin Mass, which was what church was up until that time. Yeah, and basically modernized it for yeah. a new Catholic generation. Because it was all in a different language. It was, it was all, all in, in Italian. It was all in Latin. Oh, it was Latin. Right. Latin, yep. And the priest, and the priest's back was towards you the whole time? The altar was not set up front. It was built into the back of the church. So the priest would be doing all the sacraments with his with his back to you, essentially. Because yeah. you know how they do all the, the blessing of the bread and the wine and all that shit? Yeah. It's all, it was all facing away from you. And it was all in Latin, so you had no idea. It was like, it was basically like, like, a, like a mystical spell being put on this bread. Right. <laughs> so Vatican II was designed to basically make the church more human. And it really brought a lot of... It, it, it was honestly probably a good thing for Catholicism because oh, at that point, and you think about the prejudice against Catholics throughout human history, basically, all the other Christian churches were doing normal stuff that made sense, where the Catholics went to church and ate the body of Jesus, <laughs> literally, according to them, right, and had all this shit that nobody understood going on the entire time. Of course, there's going to be prejudice against that. Right, and they made it a lot more mainstream and but, modern. But what's crazy is you talk to some like fundamentalist Christians have no idea that that ecumenical council ever happened. Yeah. Anyways, well, she got anything, anything else? That's basically all I got. All right, awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening to episode 90. I hope this one turns out okay. We kind of started <laughs> off on a kind of, kind of a rough step. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, this has been a good episode, though. I think our content was pretty solid, all things considered. Oh, yeah. Um, did you like this episode? Was this a decent one? Yeah. I mean, I thought like, I enjoyed it came together it. pretty well. you got to come up with a couple topics. I feel like it's your turn to pick a topic out. Sure. So I do have a few we could kind of work on. And I'm kind of thinking maybe after episode 100, if we make it that far, we got to kind of look at what we did in the past and kind of like build off of a few of these topics. Sure. So we yeah, keep talking. We, we talk about every episode. We could do another episode. We could do another episode on this topic. We could. There's at least 10 episodes we could do part twos on. There's probably more like 40 <laughs> if, you, if you really look at it. So, sure. anyways, please keep listening. Please tweet us at 30 and please check us out on Facebook. I got to get some shit up there. And uh, share the show. Every post made. Yes. Like please. it, share it, spread it around, tell people about it. Like it, share it, tell your friends, tell your family. Thanksgiving is coming up. What better way to celebrate Thanksgiving dinner than putting on 4.30 in the morning? Definitely. Make your family listen. Uh, enjoy the show. We really appreciate all the listeners. We're doing all right. We're up to like 25 countries. I think we talked about that. So yeah. we're doing pretty good. So anyways. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Peace. Steelers are having a rough year.
Yeah. You can't you can't be great every single year. Yeah. Well, you could also do things that help you, like not drafting a quarterback with small hands. He'll be all right. All right. Anyways, what kind of news you got? It's <laughs> a good segue. All right. I think I have two. I don't know if I'm going to run that the other one. This is from our favorite UPI News. Uh-oh. Wool, world's cut. See? You're so upset. World's. <laughs> you're so upset. Because I beat, I'm, I, I'm upset. I won that argument. You, you did not win that argument. You can't even spell out your news story. You did not win that argument. I won. We can continue the argument. I'm having a beer now. Fuck it. <laughs> world's largest published book unveiled in Texas. His name is Loeb. L-O-E-B. Avi Loeb. Okay. Avi. Probably Avi. Avi Loeb. Kind of like in, uh, you ever see the movie Snatch? It's got Brad Pitt. Uh, who's the dude? Ever seen the movie Crank? Uh, what the hell is his name? He's in The Expendables. He's in a uh, bunch of other shit. Bruce Willis? No, but he looks like Bruce Willis. He looks like a, like a younger version of Bruce Willis. Oh, Jason. Uh, Jason the State. They State, yep. He's in it. Uh, Benicio Del Toro's in it. Brad Pitt's in it. Solid who, cast. Who else is in that movie? Who is in that movie? Anyways, it's about these British thieves. Basically, they're, well, basically they're boxing promoters. They up stealing a diamond or something. And there's a character named Cousin Avi. It's like, I'm Cousin Avi. You don't know any of this shit? No. Never seen it. Sorry. It's got a guy named Brick Top who, he's like he's a gambler. He's a boxing better, basically. He's like he's like a match fixer, essentially. Sure. And if you fuck him over, if, you're, if your fighter fights him or fights one of his guys and he has the bet the wrong way, he'll get you into his debt somehow and then he'll feed you to the pigs. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's a good movie. I'll have to check that out. Brad Pitt, he plays this fucking, uh, he plays a gypsy. <laughs> it's, you would, you would, honestly, you'd probably like it. Oh, I can't really understand like what it. the hell you'd say, but there, there are some laugh out loud funny moments in that movie. I'll have to check that out. Like, like Brad Pitt, like he can't understand a word that he says. <laughs> it's pretty good. Anyways, are we about ready? Yeah, we ready for the main topic? Yes, let's just do it. You ever heard of a whiffler? Actually, yeah, I think I did. This is a good one. Yeah, basically, they're just the person that would lead a procession or like an usher. Just the head of a parade. I don't know. That'd be a good job for Tim, I think. Yeah. It sounds like an insult nowadays, though. Whiffler? Like, I wouldn't want to be called one. Listen here, little fucking whiffler. <laughs> We're cutting that. <laughs> we can't put that in. I'm sorry, dude. We can't put that in. Cut. <laughs> that sounded so bad, dude. Fucking whiffler. Oh, my God. Can we put that in or no? I don't know. The, the, the only reason I picked that, just so I can say that, fucking whiffler. Whiffler. Can you spell that for us, please? W H I F F L E R. I wouldn't want to be called one. I would never want to be called a whiffler. Anyways, what else you got? Okay, so if I die 
You get to be my clown. And if you die, I'm I'll, gonna, I'll be your clown. Okay, you can be my clown. I'm not going to be your clown. You got to be my clown. I can't, instru- I can't impersonate you very well. There's not a whole lot of room to work. I can't. I like, can't impersonate like you, you, you would be, either. You would be restricting on my creative freedom <laughs> as an artist. I don't know what that means. I don't either. <laughs> God. God. Anyways, uh, do you got anything more with the funeral clown? Nope. That's it.